You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday for worship at 8.30 or 10.45. Find out more at asburybosier.org. Good morning. Uh, it's good to be with you on this Pentecost Sunday as we, Scripture says, they were all gathered in one place. One day that will be true again. But we are thankful that you are here with us, however you may be joining us today. On this Pentecost Sunday, uh, we have a text uh, which is not typically read on Pentecost Sunday, even though it is part of the lectionary, that three-year cycle uh, of the church uh, that, that gives us scriptures from which to proclaim God's word. This is from the Gospel of John, the seventh chapter, beginning with the 37th verse. Let us hear the word of the Lord. On the last day of the festival, the great day, while Jesus was standing there, he cried out, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and let the one who believes in me drink. As the scripture has said, out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. Now he said this about the spirit, which believe, believers in him were to receive. For as yet, there was no spirit, because Jesus was not yet glorified. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. It's a curious text to use for Pentecost Sunday, even though it is one of those lectionary texts from which we can choose. The text even says, as of yet, there was no spirit because Jesus had not been glorified. What an absolutely perfect day uh, to use this text on Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost Sunday, when we talk about fire and spirits and the rush of a violent wind, we talk about flowing water instead. Of course, a bit of the punchline is by water and the Spirit is where we find our baptism. Not just from the waters of the earth, but the heavens being torn open and the dove descending by water and the Spirit. It is both and. This story takes place on the last day of the festival of booths, which is a week-long festival remembering God's providence for the ancient Israelites as they were moving from Egypt, meandering about in the wilderness, and finally finding themselves in the promised land. In other words, it was like camp meeting. Do you know camp meeting? When I was growing up, the, third week, the second week of October, culminating on the third Sunday in October, my family always gathered at the Salem campgrounds in Salem, Mississippi for camp meeting. We spent all week, I say we, it wasn't, it, we didn't, my family didn't, but their congregation, my, my, my grandmother's church, they spent all week with each other, camping out. And every night they'd get under the tabernacle and spend an entire week with each other, culminating on Sunday, the great revival on Sunday. They had their own festival of booths, so to speak, talking about God's providence, talking about God is always with them, invoking that Holy Spirit to move yet again. 
their own festival of booths. On the last day of this festival, in other words, Revival Sunday is when Jesus was there and he says to the crowd, let anyone who is thirsty come to me. The one who believes in me, let him drink. As the scripture has said, out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. On the holiest day of the celebration, when people were hoping that there would be rain, Yes, the festival does remember God's providence of the ancient Israelites as they were moving from Egypt into the promised land. The festival was also in the early fall, that prime camp meeting time of the year, and it's because the people needed rain. So they beg God for it. They do no work that week, hoping that the rains would water the earth. So on that highest, holiest day of the festival, Jesus says, let anyone who is thirsty, because I know that's why we are all here, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and let the believers drink. And not only that, out of the believer's heart shall flow living rivers of water. And this sparks controversy. Can you imagine uh, the Jews in the first century Palestine, they've been doing this ritual for years, hoping that God would hear their cry, hoping that God would bless them for rain, hoping to please God enough that the rains might fall. And here comes Jesus saying, let them come to me for living water. They start to argue. They start to bicker. The Pharisees are saying, in essence, what are you doing, Jesus? You're screwing this up. We're supposed to be pleasing God. And here you are coming saying, let them come to me for living water. If it doesn't rain, Jesus, may your hands take the nails. Some there recognized Jesus' authority and power, and some were astonished at his teaching. Others were begging the authorities to do something, saying that he was possessed by a demon. In verse 24, when they accuse Jesus of being possessed by a demon, this is what he says. Verse 24, do not judge by appearances, but judge with righteousness. Or to put it into another context, do not judge by the content. Do, do, do not judge by the color of one's skin, but by the content of their character. Do not judge by appearances. Jesus says, there was great fear. There was great ignorance. In verse 45, the authorities asked the police why they didn't arrest Jesus. He was messing this up. We might not have any rain. And the officer says, no one has spoken like this before. In essence, they're saying, he kind of sounds like the Messiah. We're not doing anything. And the Pharisees reply saying, he can't be the Messiah. He's from Galilee. Or, like at the beginning of John's gospel, Nathanael hears that Philip has found the Messiah. Jesus of Nazareth. And what does Nathanael say? Do you remember? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? The Messiah is not supposed to come from the north. 
the Messiah is to come from the south. We can't have a Yankee Messiah. But what the Pharisees didn't know in their own ignorance is that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, just like the scriptures said. He grew up in Nazareth, but instead of actually like doing homework and trying to figure out where Jesus is, he's from that. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? He can't be the Messiah. He's from the north. Their own ignorance and their own misinformation only fueled their hatred for him. Throughout John chapter 7, from which our our scripture is is taken, there is confusion, there is hatred, there is ignorance. And maybe that's exactly why we need to read it on Pentecost Sunday. At least it should be our first reading. Followed by the more familiar story that we typically read in Acts chapter 2, when they were all gathered in one place and there was a sound like the rush of a violent wind, or more literal translation, like a burdened wind that was moving among, uh, among them. And and tongues of fire rested on the disciples, and then they started speaking in different languages. I've always been fascinated by this. Because you might expect that the Holy Spirit gave the disciples a new spiritual language that they would then teach the disciples and to which they would conform. But no, the disciples were speaking in the language of the Parthians the Medes, the Elamites, the residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In other words, in this moment, by the power of the Holy Spirit, God was honoring their context. God was honoring their ethnicity. God was honoring even those who grew up in Nazareth. Nothing good ever comes from Nazareth. God was honoring their story. It'd be one thing for this to be a new spiritual language that they all had to learn. It's another thing for God to already honor the established languages from their already existing culture. To communicate with someone using their language is an act of compassion. Because when you speak in someone's native tongue, you begin to see the world ever so slightly from their perspective. For example, in our text this morning, Jesus says that living water will flow from a believer's heart. That's how we translate the Greek into English. The Greek word there, however, for heart is actually the word meaning guts or stomach or from deep within. In other words, from the believers, right out of their guts, living water will be produced. Sometimes when we read the word heart, we think about emotion, we think about pleasantries, we think about niceties, but this text is saying those who believe in Jesus will have the guts to offer living water. They'll have the courage to have living water. It flows from courage. It flows from something deep within. And I fear that we're losing a lot of what Pentecost is about. 
We're losing that connection with the Holy Spirit that gives us the courage to converse in a language with which we are unfamiliar or maybe unwilling to use. For example, what do you hear when you hear the word kneel? What do you hear when you hear the phrase blue lives matter? What do you hear when you hear the phrase black lives matter? When I say the word protest, what image do you see? What image do you see when I say George Floyd? What image do you see when I say Dave Patrick Underwood, an African-American police officer who was killed during the riots in Oakland? What do these words or phrases mean in your language, so to speak? Whatever it is, it is okay to have the feelings that you do. And as a pastor and as a Christian, I must honor that and hear that in your own words and in your own language. But that is not the end of our work. Do we have the guts to also ask what these words and images and phrases mean in a language that is not our own from someone else's perspective, from someone else's narrative. The power of the Holy Spirit was speaking languages that people could understand. As followers of Christ, may we also offer living water to a desperately thirsty world. And sometimes that means learning a new language from someone who doesn't look or think or act like us. This morning, uh, I'm usually here around 6 a.m. I didn't get here until about 7.15. Tim texted me and said, it's Sunday, right? Dot, dot, dot. I was wrestling. As I was driving from my home to the church, I was saying, there are riots, there's a global pandemic, the church is opening for the first time in phase one reopening. What could possibly go wrong today? I wrote the ending of the sermon more than once. Am I saying enough? Am I saying too much? Can I say out loud that racial injustice is real and can that be heard? Can I say out loud that not all cops are murderers and can that be heard? Do we have the guts to be courageous and to do the work of God. You know, at the beginning, I read our text and it says, for as yet there was no spirit because Jesus had not yet been glorified. For as yet there was no spirit because Jesus was not yet glorified. I pray that this isn't true. I pray that the spirit is with us. I pray that we have the guts to do what is right. I pray that we have the guts to glorify Jesus, the one who was wounded and murdered and was raised again so that we might offer living water to the world. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, let us pray. 
Most merciful God, our sovereign Lord, Father, the world is indeed broken. The world is in need of compassion. The world is in need of listening and right speech and using language that we might understand even if we have to learn a language of our enemy. Father, help us, help us not to retreat into our own silos and into our own camps. Father, give us the courage to listen. Give us the courage and the guts to see all of your people from womb to tomb as precious. May we be champions of life. May we offer living water. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.